0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Culture of Truth. This is a podcast that reviews the truth of God's Word and discusses the influence it has on our lives and worldview. My name is Will Hawkins and alongside me are my good friends Jeff Amstutz.
1: Hey everybody. And Rob Greer. Good afternoon. How are we doing, gentlemen? Just woke up from a nap, so i uh feeling pretty good. Got got a shot of espresso in, in me, so I'm feeling good. Doing all right. You know, I've, I've been working in the
2: garage this morning, so a lot of... A lot of mudding and, and taping, for
0: those of you that are familiar with drywall projects. <laughs> you and your house stuff. Yes. Sounds like you need a nap. I do need <laughs> a nap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, last week we spent some time discussing 1 Peter 1, 13 through 19. We encourage you to go back and listen to that. Uh, today we wrap up chapter 1, and we will be discussing verses 20 through 25. So let's go ahead and check in with everyone before we dive in. Rob, how have you experienced God's truth this week?
2: I get to baptize my fiance tomorrow. Hmm. And Come on, that's cool. When you say, "I'll be there," by the way, <laughs> when you say, "How have I experienced God's truth?" It's just the the opportunity to experience that with with my fiance is a big deal. The fact that my fiance is wanting to declare the inward reality of her being a a believer in Jesus, and so she asked me to do that for her and I'm super excited to do that for her tomorrow. And so, yeah,
0: that's awesome, man. Excited
1: for her. Excited for y'all. How about you, Jeff? Man, uh, I have the other end of the spectrum, so I'm glad that we can rejoice with other believers. Rob, it's such good news to hear that. And this past week, i have had a few separate conversations with friends that are walking through some stuff, uh, walking through difficulty, uh, watching sin, not just affect someone personally, but also other people in them. And of course, you know, leave it super anonymous, but mm. uh, those conversations are hard, but we still, just like we trust God in those victories, like Rob to get the chance to baptize your fiance. What a, what a incredible high that is. Mm-hmm. We also trust God just as much when uh, we're grieved by various trials. Note that reference to, to first Peter, you know, we just read about that. We still trust God that he's good and that he's, he's working out our salvation through stuff that's hard. So yeah, that was my past week. That's
0: good. God is good for sure. I relate to that kind of, I mean like you, you guys know based on some of the other stuff that I've talked about or shared in the past episodes, just kind of the stuff I'm walking through right now. Um, I will say though that, that this week has been really good. It's been a really good week compared to the others, <laughs> so um, definitely more more joy, more peace. It's good to it's, have good news. It is good news. Like I've, it's good, it's I had good really good days at work, really good, um, just conversations and with my wife. Uh, I had I had a counseling appointment on Monday that went really really well. I at least started some initial discussions. I'm gonna go back again Monday and we'll just keep continuing that. Um, in the past I've met with him before and it was just when a certain situation would rise and never really continued those conversations. So that's what I'm looking forward to today. So yeah, getting my my health in check, which is good. So the the truth that I'm experiencing this week is just comes from lamentations is his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Uh, Great is your faithfulness. So the Lord has been super faithful and just providing those mercies to me in little tiny ways. Um, he's just shown, shown himself to me and shown that he's with me and he's carrying me through this. So and it has been drawing me closer to him. So I'm, I'm extremely thankful. Okay. Well, let's get into it guys. Jeff, can you kick us off with a recap of where we're at in first Peter one so far?
1: Yeah. First Peter. Uh, so this is a letter from Peter who was an apostle. So he was a primary witness of Jesus' ministry. And he has thus far told us that salvation is from God and that it's rooted in faith that even though these readers had not seen Jesus, they place their trust in Jesus. It's the same kind of faith that is echoed with even the prophets found in the Old Testament. And therefore, they are called, we are all called as followers of Christ to be holy, to be like God. And that this is all powered by the gift of Christ to us, not through things that we do ourselves. So that's up to where we are now.
0: Rob, why don't you go ahead and read First Peter 1, 20 through 25 for us? Yes, sir. Verse 20 says, He was foreknown before the foundation
2: of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22, having purified your souls by, the, by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not a perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Verse 24, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the lord remains forever and this word is the good news that was preached to you
0: amen let's look at verse 20 through 21 and let's let's kind of go through that what does this text say he was foreknown literally makes me think of
2: this being something that god had planned from the beginning and i know we've probably heard that phrase or someone say something like that before in a sermon or even in a conversation that it was it was God's plan A all the time. But truthfully speaking, Peter's reminding the readers that Jesus was part of the plan from the very beginning. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, before anything was created. And right now, during the last times or in these times where the dispersion is happening and in our time today, Jesus was made manifest for those who placed their faith in him for this salvation that Peter's been talking about. And so for the sake of you, it is for our good. And as he mentioned in the verse uh, 21, so that your faith and hope are in him, it is solely because of Jesus. And it is solely because of God's work from the beginning that we are
1: where we are today because of our faith and our hope. And there's an aspect of the phrase, but was made man- manifest in the last times for the sake of you that it's not a creation statement. So it's not that Jesus became to exist. It's rather he was revealed to us. So the idea of there being a Messiah was something that people were looking for, but the who it was, was not known. And so him showing up is not, we, we never want to like, if you are, if we're sitting across from uh, a brother in Christ who thinks hey i guess jesus was a created being well no he was revealed to us when he took mm-hmm. on flesh but he he was foreknown before the foundation of the world he existed eternally in perfect community with god the father and god the holy spirit and so the the manifestation is from our perspective that he was finally revealed to us as jesus christ yeah there's one thing i want to i want to
2: mention it made me think of Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 through 17 it says and this is talking about Jesus he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things And in him, all things hold together. Hmm. That's Jesus. He was foreknown before the foundation of the
0: world. Hmm. And then, yeah, 21 starts. It says, who through him, Jesus, are believers in God.
1: Yeah, there's several dimensions to that. There's the only way you can really trust God is because he's done something so monumental for you that, This is the irresistible grace part of us Calvinists. Calvinism. (laughs) Uh, We'll, of course, talk about like the details of that, I'm sure, in future episodes. But the idea of one of the irresistible things about God is that his wrath would forever be taken on by his own son. And that is grace that is just impossible, at least for me personally, to turn away from. But then there's the other part of it, which is that now God's people is not defined by geopolitical boundaries. And so the idea of Christ's perfect atonement means that you don't need to be a Jew to be uh, adopted into the family of God. And so uh, there's multiple dimensions to that, like I said. But one thing is very straightforward, is that Christ is the reason we believe in God. What does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hmm.
2: No one comes to the Father except through me. That's right and a lot of the apostles' writings echoes what Jesus has already said, if not all of it, right? And you know he talking about Jesus mentions that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said, and the disciples, Peter here is writing to us, who through him are believers in God. It's just these things echo truths that Jesus has already said about himself, and mm-hmm. it's really cool to tie the two together.
0: Yeah, it makes, me, it makes me think of Matthew 16, verse 13, and it goes down to about 17. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he says, Who do the people say, say that the Son of Man is? And they say, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven so then that ties back to what you're saying is that he has been made manifest to us and that it's the Holy Spirit who reveals himself and reveals Jesus to us
1: mm, yeah and it, it even goes farther in 21 who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope earned in God it's interesting because it's repeated that we just said through him we're believers in God it's like okay mm-hmm. But then, why are we reiterating that our faith and hope is in God? Well, it's because belief is not just existential; it's not just I know that God exists. <laughs> that is a that is incomplete from what Scripture is telling us. Our faith and our hope is what are you ultimately trusting in? Do you, or what are you trusting in for your life right now, and what are you trusting in your life in the future? And so, the yep. God raised Jesus from the dead and gave Him glory for our faith and hope is rooted in the the number one thing we said, I think I said this on our previous podcast, that the number one thing that sin wants you to do is to convince you that this life you're currently living just ends when you die and then that's it. And so you might as well just live it up now because that's it. And that's the, that's what the Bible is trying to tell you your life matters for eternity So the things that you're doing now aren't transient. They don't just go away when you die. It has eternal consequences. And so Christ being raised from the dead is that God's like, listen, death is not what marks your life. Your life in Christ is. I'm going to raise you just like I raised my son, Jesus. And that's what gives you hope. Like you can going back to earlier in first Peter. I'm going through these trials that God's using to show me that my faith is in fact, genuine. It's not Mm -hmm. just, well, I know God exists. I guess Jesus was cool. No, my trust and hope are in Jesus because even when bad stuff happens, I'm not treating my life as if, well, then I guess that's it. It's like, no, I want to look eternally at what what's going on. That's evidence of your salvation.
0: Man, Jeff, that was good. What does it mean when it's saying God gave him glory?
2: Giving him glory means that Jesus has been, he's been put in a place where no one other than him can be because of him conquering our sin, conquering death, and now living in a state where he is the one in control of everything. Now, granted, Jesus has always been in control of everything, but what I'm saying in particular is that his life, his death, and now his resurrection has been glorified because he has completed the work that God has sent him to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's an interesting part of God giving the son glory that is mm. all of the Old Testament. They looked forward to Christ, but they didn't worship Jesus explicitly. They worshiped. God, knowing that he would eventually send Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's how they looked forward to depending on a savior. But you know how Jesus actually gets glorified by people with their mouths and their lives, like very intentionally Well, Him am showing up like I'm here. I have done the work of dying for your salvation or for the sake of your salvation, for your dying for your sins. Like now you're going to worship me. I am God and Jesus is God He says I and the father are one in John 10 and so us worshiping Jesus is worshiping God but now we get to glorify Jesus and not just God the Father it's it's now both so there's glory going explicitly to the son because of what the son did. So, yeah, so
0: what we've seen in this text, as far as what does it say, is Jesus foreknown before the world, the foundation of the world. He's made manifest for our sakes through Jesus. We are believers in God. God raised Jesus from the dead. God glorified Jesus. Let's look into how do we apply this. In light of the truths that we've seen in this scripture, what are some ways that we can live this out and apply this to our lives?
1: Something for me that's easy to lose track of is that, I get worried about uh, a relationship, a something I did wrong uh, with someone else, uh, my status at work, uh, the approval of other people in my life. Um, like what there's all these things that I project onto God as being super important. And that's because I've lost sight of the most important thing being Christ. And it, it's sometimes the, as I get older and older, I think that that little phrase of X is whatever it is, is not as important as Christ. When I was younger, I used to be like, well, that's just like this wishy washy answer. It doesn't really mean much. And as I get older, it's actually come become much clearer in that my focus on the spiritual disciplines to know more about God, about Jesus and about being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants me to be doing, every single moment of every day is really less complicated than I want it to be. Because if it's more complicated, then I get to just be like, oh, well, I just didn't get it. I can almost have a cop out. But really, every moment, everything I do in the day, being aimed at the worship of Jesus Christ is never something that is off the table. It should always be the primary focus and it's my sin that's ever trying to convince me of like, ah, eh, that thing I'm doing today shouldn't is, is irrelevant to my faith. No, that's never, it's never the case. That's just me convincing myself. It should be the case so I can let myself off the hook.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good, Jeff. I, I actually have to, I need to confess to you guys and I was talking to you about this a little bit earlier. Will. just me feeling frustrated this morning, just, just to, short about it, frustrated at just certain things that happened this morning and how things unfolded. And I think I just kind of justified my, my feelings and the way that I thought about the situation. I justified me staying in that state of mind and an emotion as being okay and kind of being distant towards someone. And, and quite honestly, like when I think about the verse, I think it's 21 at the end of 21 says so that your faith and hope are in God. Like in that moment, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that it's, it's best for me to feel this way and to stay feeling that way towards that person. <clears throat> and I think when it, when it comes to me being obedient, you know, we talk about, we'll talk about this here in the next verse, but being obedient and loving my brother and loving a sister, it's like I need to be quick to acknowledge like that's sinful. And I'm being a certain way towards my brother or sister that is not in line with the gospel. And so I just think from an application standpoint, it's like, I need to put my faith and trust and my hope in God that Jesus's example of of mercy is what I should follow and that I should admit that, hey, I was wrong. I was feeling this way towards you and I, I want you to forgive me. Will you forgive me? And, you know, practicing that. And so... There's just a lot of real life example I can throw at this, but for me, it's just putting verse 21 into,
0: into practice.
1: Mm, that's really good, man.
0: Uh, yeah, for me, it's just that I need to put my faith and hope in God and not in something else. Um, it's very easy for me to look at some of my internal needs or desires and let that drive me and let my attitude or my situation determine my viewpoint or attitude towards God. And it needs to be the other way around. I need to look at God, look at what he's done for me, look at the grace and the mercy that he provi- provides me every day and let that dictate how I respond to my situation.
1: And one thing that comes to mind as I hear that, Will, is that how bad is it when we say something like that? Just so you know, this isn't me saying, you're saying this, this is you <laughs> saying those things made mm-hmm. me think about this. It's okay. This is not directed at you. Yeah. It's directed at a lot of me and other believers that that I I disciple. How bad is it when we say something like that and then don't do the work to actually call out specific things in life? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh yeah. Think of it. Think of it in concrete ways of something, not primarily spiritual. Everything is spiritual to some degree, but think of it like a diet. Like, Oh yeah. I'm gaining weight. I guess I should eat less calories and move more. Cool. If you don't actually go examine your life and, Like maybe figure out, hey, where am I eating too much? Where am Mm -hmm. I not taking up opportunities to move? Like that statement is now very meaningless to say, well, I guess I should do that. Uh, And so when when you like, even with what I said, similar in vain, what you said, Will is like, yeah, man, I should just not, I should not forget that my life has an eternal component. It's like, great, Jeff. (laughs) Now, now what what are 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 the very specific (laughs) things in your life that. It is the hard work of examining it and the trust re- required to confess sin like you just did Rob to say mm-hmm. like man this morning I already didn't do this it is not a trivial thing to want to go into the depths of your sin and call it out and to do that in the context of other believers mm. but James tells us in James 5:16 that when we confess our sins it gives us the opportunity to pray for each other so that we yeah. may be healed it's it's a spiritual discipline to regularly confess out loud with words, our sin to each other. And you know, that's, that's will how you and I, with the things we just said, as generic as they are, Mm -hmm. that's how it's actually going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess (laughs) we don't have all the time to be able to break down in every area of our life that we'll be able to do that. So that's why we don't get into the details. But I mean, with everything I've been talking about recently and some of my check-ins is the feeling of being in a place of hopelessness, looking at the desires or, I don't know, past sins that may have not been dealt with or just the way I'm seeing the world and the way I've responded to my situations that have come, some of it's been very valid, loss in the family, death, etc. actual stress or bo- my body not working a certain way with some of my health. That stuff, that stuff can weigh me down. And if I didn't put my hope and my faith in him, in Jesus, what would I turn to? So as I sit in counseling, as I sit on this podcast, as I have my community groups where I'm sitting with other believers and we're going over the word or going over the sermon at church, I'm able to confess those things as well. And the things that I'm, that God's revealing to me through counseling and through, through all of these other mercies, like I mentioned earlier. So for me that this is huge is for me to be able to put my faith and hope in him. It's not a light statement. I'm not saying you're saying that, but when I say it, it's, it's monumental. It's huge. So that's my application for that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Let's run through verse 22 through 25. Rob, can you reread that real quick? Yeah. Verse 22 says,
2: Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Verse 24. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good
0: news that was preached to you. So let's look let's look at the beginning when it says having been or having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. What is that saying? I have no idea what purified soul means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest with y'all,
2: but I, I have a, I have an inkling when I think of having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. You know, if I don't understand something, I try to reread around it reread it again and just honestly ask God for help. But having purified your souls, like when you think about yourself before a Christian, you know, before you became a believer, The Bible talks about us being dead or it'll say dead man. We were dead souls in terms of we were not alive or we were not clean before God from a spiritual perspective. And so... When I think of having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth and this truth being the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus being that imperishable seed that we just mentioned, because of Jesus, my soul is now purified or my soul is now clean before God because Jesus is the one who has taken upon himself my uncleanness. He was the one who by his blood washed away my sins and purified me and made me who I am as a son in Christ now. So when I think of that, that's what I think of purified as I read that. I mean, what do you guys think? Am
1: I wrong? No. And I'll approach it from a different perspective to arrive at the same conclusion. It says to not repeat what you just said. Uh, when I think of the phrase, having purified your souls, the what is my soul and what impurities are there. So we are purifying this thing called a soul. The soul, it being like the essence of who you are as a person. Uh, that we we talk about humanity having this unique image of of God that you have imprinted on your life. That is something unique to humanity as compared to other created creatures. And the impurity is sin, and sin being most simply defined as things that disrupt your perfection as looking like god so being an image of god when people look at you and they don't see the character of god they don't see his characteristics they see something else that's sin and so the uh, like back here uh, as obedient children this is verse 14 uh, do not be conformed by the passions of your former ignorance The, the the ignorance is not knowing god and sin, again, I, I think I said this last week, maybe two weeks ago, God's providence. So his desire for all of creation is that he gets glory. And so to perfectly reflect God's glory is to glorify him and not something else. And so the impurity of your soul is that your soul runs after things that are not God. And so what are they purified by? Jesus Christ. This idea of, man, I actually have run after things that aren't glorifying to God. They're actually looking to glorify me or other created things. And Jesus took those. There's nothing that I could possibly do to have redeemed them. There's nothing I bring to the table. When I think of the the beginning of, of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Spiritual poverty, the, I don't bring anything to the table for my salvation. It is all God's. Just like Peter told us earlier in chapter one, salvation's from him. It's hard for my soul to be distracted from glorifying God if I've got nothing to bring to the table to think that I've got something to do with it. How? What's one great way to glorify God? And like the, the penultimate way is to be like, man, the only way that I'm in this state of worshiping you at all is because of you, God, that you acted and, and changed my heart. And so the, the idea of having your soul purified is just the, sorry, zoomed in on Jesus being the sole reason that you are even able to worship God at all there's anything else distracting that, then it's impure. It's trying to have something else get glory. So to me, that's where it arrives at the same conclusion of you, Rob. So the blood of Christ washes away all your sin. It washes away all this distraction from anything else getting worship.
0: Yeah. And would you, would you guys say that the, the second half of that, that line right there was saying by your obedience to the truth. So throughout the early parts of this chapter, there's multiple times where it's talking about their conduct and living in holiness and pretty much the transformation once, once they do believe in the truth of Jesus. And is that also what it's saying is that obedience to that truth? And then the, the souls are purified.
1: Yeah. There's a, a really big confusing thing about Christianity that I think is general revelation as to the truthfulness of, of Jesus, that the world Without Christ, we'll always come to the conclusion of your behavior is what will save you. And the Christian, because of Christ's work, says the opposite. You are saved, therefore go be like Christ. Mm -hmm, Exactly. When we read James and he talks about faith without works is dead. Well, it's just how could you say I trust in Christ if your life looks the same? You're not really trusting in anything. It's just an idea in your head. It's not actually permeated the depth of who you are. And so it's not that the works themselves do the work of salvation, but salvation compels you to obey. You can't do anything else but want to worship Christ. So having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, um, your obedience is confirming the very faith that like there, there there's, there's two things there's salvation and sanctification. These are fancy church words, salvation being you, you, Do not get the punishment of eternal damnation because of your sin. So you are saved from that. And then your sanctification is the, because of that, you, your life becomes more and more like Christ Mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. And that's how God chose to glorify himself. Like we, we didn't set these parameters. That's just how God decided to do it. And so the purification process is something that happens through God working on your heart over time that you more purely worship him and that's your sanctification.
0: Yeah. So I guess where I'm, where I'm wanting to know what I'm wanting to know is what is, what is Peter trying to tell them in this, uh, in this verse? Like what is he trying to communicate to them? Well, I mean,
2: look at the end of verse 22 says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So now that we've had a, purification done by Jesus, like now that we've been purified through his blood, washing away our sin, one of the things that naturally should overflow from us being Christians or becoming a believer is loving our brother and sister. And so, especially when you think about the context of these believers right now, where they're being persecuted for their faith, they need the love of one another to be an encouragement to keep going. And that love is part of them encouraging each other with these truths that Peter himself has been encouraging them with. When you think about loving your brother, I mean, what does Jesus say to his disciples? Was that John chapter 13? I don't remember the exact verse, (laughs) but Jesus talks about loving your brother well, and that goes for your sister. It's one and the same loving your brother well to the very end. When you think about what he's talking about here, Peter, he's echoing that same type of love that Jesus has loved us with. We should love one another that same way to the very end, even in times where there's suffering and persecution going on. The natural overflow of being someone who has had their soul purified by the truth, the gospel, or the good news. You love your brother. And you love your sister.
1: Yes, John thirteen. Come on, thinking of verse thirty-four. Bring it. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Mm. And this is right after he washed their feet and blew their minds, being like, "You're our teacher. (laughs) Why are you doing the plebeian job of washing our feet? What?" And who was
2: the one that pushed back on him the most? Peter. Peter. Yeah. Mm. How funny is that? And, And it's crazy, right? Like Peter's letter here is written to, you know, he mentions the dispersion. People's or the exiles. These are people who have gone out into the world. And just based off of that verse that you just read, Jeff, our sincere brotherly love comes out and people see that. And they want to have a part of that. They want to know where's where's that coming from? Who's causing this love to be so contagious? That in and of itself should point people to Jesus.
0: All right, let's look at 23 real quick. So since you have been born again, you know, he's saying not of something that fades, not of something that is imperishable. So then I guess then the following in 24, it's kind of backing that up, though, talking about how the flesh is like gra- grass and it's glory is uh, like the flower of the grass, how they, they, all the, all those things wither, all those things fade. But then it's saying the word of the Lord remains forever. It goes back to that other where it's saying through the living and abiding word of God. And then tying that, kind of wrapping that up in a bow. And this word is the good news that was preached to you.
1: Yeah, it, it echoes the notion that the body you're currently in, no matter if you're a believer in Jesus or not, this flesh you are wrapped in will die eventually. No one escapes that. However, are you going to live forever apart from that or not is then the ultimate question. It's the, what happens after that? Because if it's, if it's final death forever, then uh, who was it that says we, I think it's Paul says that we should be pitied if, if this, if Christ isn't who he said he was. Yes. Um, But the, the idea of, oh, my body's going to die, but I'm going to get a new one that's going to live forever is not final death. That's that's hope. And so I'm not scared of mm-hmm. this body dying because I know what God has in store for me because of Christ. This is acknowledging that that's still going to happen, that you shouldn't fear death. You shouldn't fear death because you know what eternity looks like. But it doesn't mean that that death isn't going to occur, if that makes sense.
2: I don't want to say too much here because this is just so good. I just love that we end this specific chapter with, and this word is the good news that was preached to you because it's not that Jesus wanted to make you his own. He wanted to show you like, I want you to live life with me forever because you being here, this is not only bringing me glory, but I want you to know that your life is meant to, to get to know me and to understand who I am and for you to understand who you are by knowing me. And so, I don't know. I just love that. I didn't spend too much time talking about 23 through 25, but I just love that the good news Mm -hmm. is not just us being saved, you know, like I think it's important to remember that. And for me, that's an application. (laughs) Mm. Yeah.
0: If we're going to put our faith in anything and our hope in something, put it in the Lord that's that's really the message for today to those that listen we hope you were encouraged and equipped in truth today please share this episode and this podcast we want everyone to be encouraged and equipped in god's truth join us next episode as we move into chapter 2 of first peter as always thanks for listening to the culture of truth podcast until next time
1: we'll see ya. Ow! who got my back